Hi, and welcome to the Breadwinner Podcast. I'm Niels Brian Lowe, and each episode, I talk to a guest about how they're maximizing value from investments in technology like Salesforce and NetSuite. Yep, yep, I know, a podcast about CRM and accounting software integration sounds dreadful. But Breadwinner is out talking to customers, to partners, and to technical folks every day about this stuff. Breadwinner are constantly amazed by the business value that's being unleashed in this space. So, we've recorded some of those conversations to share here. Full disclosure, this podcast is brought to you by Breadwinner, who provide products that integrate Salesforce with ERP platforms, accounting systems, and payment providers. But the purpose of this podcast isn't to sell products. If you'd like to know more, head over to breadwinner.com. Otherwise, do just join us for today's conversation. I'm delighted to be joined today by Josh Mahiri, CTO of AppRap in San Francisco and leader of the San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley NetSuite user group for many years. Welcome to the podcast, Josh. Thank you. Great to be here. Tell us a little bit about AppRap and the work you do with NetSuite customers. Sure. So AppRap is a uh, boutique consulting firm specializing in NetSuite uh, implementation and support. We also provide some accounting services and uh, helping companies prep for their IPO. So accounting, technical, functional, uh, NetSuite help. You're probably ideally placed to answer the key question I have today, which is these are interesting times we're living in. And, uh, you know, what are the big themes that you're currently seeing, uh, you know, seeing in the market specifically for connecting NetSuite to customers' wider technology landscape and especially their customer edge technology like Salesforce? Here in Silicon Valley, what we tend to see is that primarily people using NetSuite, I would say the bulk of them use Salesforce.com as well. So by far, they almost come in pairs, right? If you're using Salesforce in Silicon Valley, you're using NetSuite. If you're using NetSuite in Silicon Valley, you're using Salesforce. So absolutely one of the most popular integrations is Salesforce.com to NetSuite, right? And then there's the obvious objects or elements that are going to be integrated, which would be customers and sales orders. And then you might send back information from NetSuite, like the invoices. But we do see coming up or changing is as Salesforce.com adds functionality like contract management and NetSuite adds suite billing, you know, for subscription management, uh, the landscape changes appropriately. And then we are absolutely seeing more and more integration requests into those kind of specific domains, contracts and suite billing. That's absolutely a theme these days. Are you seeing that the wider market conditions having a, an impact on this space? I mean, clearly, customers have spent a lot of money. These are the crown jewels of their estate with their CRM technology and their, their ERP. You know, as you say, quite often Salesforce and NetSuite. These are big, expensive, high-quality technology platforms, um, and we're living in more and more troubled times. Are you seeing changes in how people want to use this? Are they trying to sweat the asset more? Are they trying to get more out of one side of the stack? Are they trying to integrate more? Is this having so, so, so it's all about bang for buck, right? Now, obviously, and, and people's time is critical. Why have people do busy work if they could do meaningful work? So yes, we do see even smaller and smaller customers opting in for integration and they do understand the value. And I usually also, I'm a big fan of, of using a tool to do the integrations as opposed to building it from scratch. Now, of course, there are scenarios where companies would rather build than buy, but I think there's uh, there's value in buying a such set solution off the shelf. You just get to the races much quicker that way. 
That's certainly a theme that we see with a lot of our customers is the relevant way of doing this is to at least strike off the buy first, you know, ask the question, why shouldn't I be buying uh, over building? And if, if there's a good reason, that's fine. But, you know, it seems to me that asking that question first is the is, is a key to success. I, I agree. I mean, there are, as I said, there are certain scenarios where building makes sense. Uh, but that doesn't happen often. And again, it all depends on the company and, you know, very savvy companies where they have you know, the bandwidth to do so, that's fine. But also investing in the right tools. I mean, you might have an ETL tool or an iPass. I mean, as the language changes, that you could do more than just point A to point B. Uh, so you could expand beyond that. But sometimes, you know, if you need to, let's say, do Salesforce.com, NetSuite, Quick and Dirty, there are tools to do that. If you need a larger platform, then, of course, there's a tool for that. And then if you have to build, as I said, something that you've never seen before or you don't want to rely on any third-party tools, then sure, and you go ahead and build it. But I would not. that would not be my first choice. Your experience of that seems, seems similar to, to breadwinners. I mean, I guess that leads me to our next question is, what does good look like in your, your experience? And you've had an enormous amount of experience in this. What does good look like when people are thinking through that approach to integrating their customer edge with their ERP um, or, you know, integrating the system of record with their systems of innovation? What, what does good look like when people start thinking about this problem? So in my opinion, good is about flexibility and the idea that you can respond to changing demands and especially, you know, if you think about Salesforce.com and salespeople go to market, right? It changes almost yearly, at least probably from sales kickoff to sales kickoff. It, it will change. So then how quickly can you respond to that now? And again, if you're if we're talking about NetSuite, you know, ancillary systems that might connect today, you're adding an AR system. Tomorrow, you're adding a purchasing system, right? You just want to be able to basically integrate with those systems as well. The waterfall approach in a way, it's like if I can knock out Salesforce.com, NetSuite, get 90% of the integration done the way I want it, why not? You have more time now to focus on other things that are not addressed by quick and dirty tools. That's certainly a theme we're seeing is people thinking about how they can get quickly to value, get it 80% right quickly, immediately, so it can start doing the thing it's meant to do and uh, not devote all of one's resources to the uh, to the 20% uh, in the first instance, because... In modern, modern, highly complex organizations, there seem to be an infinite number of things one could invest one's money in. So the trick is, seems to be, from our customers anyway, is working out where to invest quickly to achieve the most value. Is that a theme you're seeing? Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you've had, you've had a lot of experience in this market. You know, the other side of the coin is what are the pitfalls? What are the things that, in your experience, people should try and avoid when they're trying to connect their customer edge and their, their, their ERP? Uh, well, well, it's almost like a double-edged sword, right? A solution for a brand new company or some company that's just starting to integrate, they could go with a prepackage. Let's only focus on today, right? Three years later, they might say, oh, you know what? We need to do an overhaul, right? So what I tend to coach my customers, prospects, uh, people I work with is you think about the future. And again, it's a theme of that flexibility. It's like, think about the future, uh, today, the solution is fine. Three years from now, is it the right one? Now, some people might say, I don't know. I don't care. I need to solve a problem now. Go for it, right? But as long as you know that you might need to readdress this, then there are some companies that might say, you know what? I agree with you, Josh. Let's go ahead and invest. And we will use only a small percentage of it now, knowing that we have room to grow and we don't need to retrain our staff, et cetera, et cetera. So, it's all about flexibility and, and planning for the future. 
it's fascinating to get your your take on that. I'm here in London, and you're you're there in Silicon Valley, as it were. You know, you're in you're in the the, the heart of the beast. I, I'm just uh, I'm fascinated to get your uh, your thoughts on the the wider market. And you know, these are different times for the tech industry. Things have been growing wonderfully for the last 10, 20 years. Things have changed slightly in the last uh, in the last year. Just love to get your reflections on on the tech market generally and how it's feeling in from the Silicon Valley seat. These are strange times, but. It might be strange in the sense that the extremely large companies that we're all familiar with are flexing their uh, employee strength market by shedding off positions, while smaller companies are still hiring and trying to find talent. Uh, so I think it's kind of a almost a uneven market. People are innovating, you know, AI. Obviously, you cannot you cannot open the newspaper without without seeing a dozen articles about AI. So there are certain markets that are on fire. And it could be that through the pandemic or, you know, these large companies were hedging unemployment and now they see that there's no need. You know, if you read uh, the idea of that uh, employers are trying to uh, show that they have, you know, gain control over the market might be true. But at the mid to lower levels, I still see a robust market. Oh, that's fascinating. I really, really appreciate uh, having your insights from the, the eye of the storm, the heart of the beast, whatever it may be. Uh, it's great to have your, your insights there on the ground. I want to thank you very much for joining us today and uh, for taking the time to uh, join the Breadwinner podcast. For all of those who are listening, uh, many thanks for listening in and uh, hope you enjoyed this episode.